This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today we have a great show in store for you. I'm so delighted to share part two of our exclusive interview with Canadian media icon, Jeannie Becker. Jeannie is back to tell us all about her interview with Elton John, her awesome podcast, Beyond Style Matters, her regular gig at the Shopping Channel, where she is a host and the style editor, her experience as a judge on Canada's Next Top Model, and so much more. Also on the program, we're so glad to welcome back Genevieve Marantet, who is also known as Gigi. But first, let's dive into part two of our interview with Jeannie Becker. So Jeannie, we left off talking about your connection with Cindy Crawford, and we're about to talk about your meeting with the legendary Elton John. What was it like when you interviewed Elton John? Oh, Elton, El- Elton's just great. Elton was wonderful. I was blown away when uh, we uh, presented the 25th anniversary uh, of Fashion Cares, which was a big AIDS fundraiser that I've been involved with for many, many, many years. And Elton came to Toronto for the 25th anniversary and on the red carpet, and I actually have a, a clip of him saying this, He, someone asked him about me because I was you know, I, co-chairing the event. And uh, he said, oh, Jeannie Becker is a legend. And I, so I was like, oh, wow. I, I didn't even realize that, you know, he knew me that well. But I guess um, I, I've been friendly with his uh, beautiful husband, David Furnish, uh, for a long time. So he must have known a little bit about me from David. Uh, but yeah, Elton John is just like a mensch, you know. Like Elton John's like one of those great guys, something kind of avuncular about him. Um, but again, he's another one who's really in touch with his inner child. And uh, that's something I've always appreciated about him. That's so cool. Canada's Next Top Model. You were a judge on that show. Was that a good experience? And no offense to those out there that love the show. And I still get people coming up to me. Oh, I used to watch it. And my daughter used to watch it. It was not a very good show in that. I don't mean it wasn't well produced or anything like that, but I don't think it was a good show for the morale. I don't think it was for my own morale. Um, first of all, I really have a hard time judging people like that, especially these young hopefuls, these girls that really came into it very starry-eyed, thinking that because they were cute, uh, they may actually, you know, win the prize uh, and become the next top model. And we all know that's BS because it ta- if you really have what it takes to be a top model, you can walk into any agency. And they'll get they'll get your picture taken, and they will catapult your career to where it has to go. And where, where you, there's no way that winning a competition of this reality series. And also, let's we know now what reality shows are all about. And Jay Manuel has just written a really entertaining novel called uh, the, "The Wig, the Bitch, and the Meltdown," all about what really goes on behind the scenes. Oh dear, for years, and it's it's just a it's. It's BS. I mean, for the most part, they're creating drama. They're trying to put these girls in horrible situations so they'll cry and have meltdowns. And uh, I, you know, I remember one night we were doing a judging, and I was sitting there with the other judges at my desk. And you know, this little nice girl walked in who, you know, was very sweet and earnest, but I didn't think she had what it took. And we all sort of kind of 
great drover the coals. I mean, uh, uh, it wasn't nice. And this girl dropped to her knees in front of me, sobbing like that upset. And, you know, and you can see the producers are rubbing their hands together going, yes, this is great television. And I'm going, oi, I don't want to feel like this, that I've done this to someone. This is so horrible. Of course. Of yeah. course. This is right. not what it's all about. That's not what you're all about. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a great experience. And I really have a problem with some of those reality shows. I mean, some of them I love. Like, I love RuPaul's Drag Race. That's that's kind of something else. It's very campy, although I know some of those weird practices are at play in that show, pitting people against each other and whatnot. But uh, anyway, that listen, this is what's, what entertainment has come down to, I guess. So what are you going to do about it? I love your podcast. I loved your interview with Tim Blanks because you were synonymous. You were doing similar things. I mean, fashion television was sort of the biggest thing ever. And what I love is your writing in the book, in the podcast, in the way you express yourself, saying things like sartorial zeitgeist, or when you describe how how you and Tim would, would were, were friendly rivals and, and you would hang out together drenching yourselves in martinis. In fact, we have a clip from your amazing podcast, Beyond Style Matters, and we're going to play a short excerpt from your interview with Tim Blanks. Hi, I'm Jeannie Becker. Welcome to Beyond Style Matters. I've spent decades working in fashion's trenches, seen the best and the worst of human style, and had the opportunity to get up close and personal with some of the world's most intriguing characters. What I've learned about truly great style is that it goes far beyond what we wear. It's about the way we move through the world. On this episode, I talk with fashion journalist Tim Blanks. Thanks. What an absolute, Becca. What an absolute pleasure to have you on this episode of Style Matters. And it's so surreal. It is so freaking surreal. I have been so looking forward to this, except I have to be totally transparent and say with a little kind of trepidation, a little, um, I don't know, like I've, I've interviewed a gazillion people in my day, but then when it comes to you, it's like a whole other thing. And I know I've talked to you in the field, you know, shoving a mic in your face for a 10 second soundbite, but this is different. Judy, we're friends. For goodness sake, we've known each other for 40 years. I know, I know. But, you know, I do, I hold you in uh, such high esteem. Well, listen, I, well, we'll talk, we'll get into talking about this. But, you know, in the world of fashion, you and I are like the mama bear and papa bear of a whole lot of mm. people who are working in industry now, you know? Yeah, and uh, actually, sometimes I feel a little... um daunted by that because I think we created a monster. I just love your podcast, Jeannie. It's so entertaining and you have the best guests and you're, you're such a fabulous writer. Is that a real place of comfort for you, Jeannie, just to go up to your office and write? No question. I get right into the zone with writing and I never really fancied myself a writer. I mean, I was the actress growing up as a kid and my sister was the writer and, and she's a, a great writer. She's a, a professor now at Loyola Marymount University in LA in the screenwriting department. And she's, that was her craft. That was her metier. For me, I was just like, you know, I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to communicate, of course. I, but I never really, and, and I loved English, probably my best subject at school, but I never really started honing my skills as a writer until uh, my dear friend, Bonnie Brooks, who, at the, you know, we all know her now from having run the Bay, but, you know, at the time, she was um, 
the editor of Flair magazine. And she said to me, you know what? You should write about your experiences because you are privy to such an incredible world and you have such a large, large, exciting, glamorous life. A lot of our readers would love to do that. I'm going to give you a column in the magazine. Every month you can write whatever you want to write about. And I thought, wow, that's okay. So I'll start doing that. So I started writing a column. It was called Behind the Scenes. Um, I wrote that column for Flair Magazine for 10 years. And that's when I really started honing my skills as a writer. And, you know, and then when my husband left and I, my life was in shambles, it felt like I, I wrote the book. I thought that would be a cathartic thing for me to do. My first book, Genie Unbottled, that came out in 2000. And then 10 years later, finding myself in fashion. And I've written three other uh, books for kids for, you know, kind of a, that 10 to 15 year old you know, age range. Um, but I do feel that there are, you know, a few other books in me, at least uh, one or two for sure that I'd love to launch into. But I, I love writing, you know, that I pitched myself as a newspaper writer and had a, a, a syndicated column in the, the National Post for uh, many years. And then, you know, wrote for the Globe and Mail for many years and wrote for the Toronto Star for years and all and with so many different magazines you know once in a while I get to write for Zoomer magazine which is one of my (laughs) Suzanne Boyd and I just think it's such a great magazine so uh, I do love writing I get right into the zone with it it's very therapeutic I did also used to now that I think of it I kept a diary when I was living in Paris all those years ago as a young mime artist. <laughs> and uh, I still have some old notebooks of, you know, it, you know, I always thought it was like a, writing a diary, like when you were growing up in the, you know, in the 60s, Dear Diary, you know, you'd have your little true confessions. And, and that was always important <laughs> for me to get it out, put it down on paper and, and just glean so much uh, from that because A, it helps you get it off your chest and B, you can reflect on it. You can come back to it, read it the next day, the next month, the next year, and and learn different things about yourself. So it's a great way to uh, reflect. That's so cool. You went back to acting years later with the vagina monologues, and which, by the way, many, many, I want to tell our listeners, many famous stars and celebrities have played in that in that piece and have, have starred in that piece, like big names. And you did it. And uh, did you do you ever want to go back to acting? Or I was also going to ask you if you've ever wanted to do a one woman show. Yes, I always want to go back to acting. I get sick of playing that Amy Decker character all the time, and would like. I have done a few things. I did a short film for a a friend of mine who's a filmmaker in St. John's, Newfoundland, a few years ago, and that was this was a short film. It was not whatever. No comment. Uh, I tried my best, but um, I have. Done, and I also did a, a wonderful uh, show that was similar in style to the Vagina Monologues. More recently, called "Love, Loss, and What I Wore," and uh, that was based on the writings of Neely and uh, Nora Ephron, and just this w- wonderful uh, piece about how we get sentimentally attached to the garments that we wear. And I got a chance to deliver some great monologues in that one. So, absolutely, I would like to get back into it, I guess. I, you know, I worry about, what about my memory, though? You know, my memory might be starting to fail me. Like, it must be really hard to learn all those lines off by heart. Um, you know, I don't know how good I'd still be at that. But I also have so much respect for actors. And I, I often wonder, you know, how people just take it so flippantly. You know, it would be like you're a concert pianist. You haven't played the piano for 20 years, and you're going to get back on the stage at Carnegie Hall and do a performance. Like, 
there's something sort of if it's right like that. And I also um, dated an actor for about five or six years, a wonderful Canadian actor, Barry Flatman, and really saw what that life was like. The, the highs and the lows and the roller coaster nature of it, it was gut wrenching. And I thought, you know, wow, you really have to have to be tough to uh, to live that kind of a life. And I, I, I really thank my lucky stars that I did you know, find another kind of route to go because I think, uh, yeah, very, very tough uh, to work as an actor and, and just keep yourself in the game. You were inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame. And I mean, my goodness, congratulations. And I know you're such a proud Canadian. I'm sure you had many offers and you could have very easily moved south of the border many times. What kept you here? I made a very conscious decision um, just in the mid 80s. It was, uh, you know, I had the possibility of going to L.A. and, you know, really just sort of trying to pursue uh, that particular limelight. But um, I remember thinking that, hmm, I don't want to raise kids in a place like L.A. I don't know. I just heard that. I, I know it's possible, obviously, but I thought this would be a better place to raise kids. This would be an easier place maybe for me to uh, remain and uh, and continue to cultivate the kind of career that I wanted. Uh, I had gotten rid of a lot of my demons by then. Uh, I had realized quite a few of my uh, showbiz dreams by that point. And to really go to LA and start all over again, that's what it kind of would have felt like, I think. I just didn't want to. But I honestly say, and this sounds like schmaltzy and corny and what, whatever, I love Canada. And I love it now more than, I mean, there have been times that this country has made me angry um, that I didn't think, you know, I always said you had to work twice as hard for half the money or scream twice as loud to get noticed. And, you know, there's a lot of this country that uh, it's a tough place in some ways. But boy, it's a beautiful place. And I, I really, honestly, am a very proud Canadian. My parents chose Canada to, you know, immigrate to in 1948 when they got off uh, the boat at Pier 21 in Halifax. And uh, a couple of years back, I donated the wooden crate that they had all their worldly possessions in to Pier 21. And it's on display there. If you go to Pier 21 Museum, it's in a glass case, that really crude, rustic old box. And my mother never threw anything out. She kept this in the basement for, in, for all these years. And then it ended up in my garage. And I thought, you know, girls, I, you know, we could turn this into a coffee table or donate it to the, uh, the Museum of Immigration, which is such a brilliant place. And um, it just makes me proud. You know, I've, I've got my roots are here. And this is who I am. And this country has, um, I think, really nurtured me in a certain way that I would not have been the same person had I grown up in L.A. And for me to transplant myself in L.A. just because of uh, money or by that. Listen, I had an incredibly international career from my own backyard. I mean, I don't I know that doesn't happen very often, but I did. And now I'm working with international players to create something we're working on. Can't talk too much about it, but a documentary series with people, you know, it, this is, it, the kinds of borders have really dissipated now, which is quite good news. But um, I, I kind of, I admit that I kind of resented a lot of the people that left this country um, in pursuit of, you know, fame and money. And, and there were nights when I thought, well, maybe I should have done that too. 
because I could have made a lot more money and I could have been a lot more famous and I could have, you know, or not, maybe I wouldn't have been as successful. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, something, something really kept me here that is even beyond explanation, beyond rationale. And I'm, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Really happy to be here. We're so happy that you stayed and we're so proud of you. Jeannie, you say that great style is about a lot more than what we wear. Can you just briefly elaborate on what you mean by that? Well, I mean that style has little to do with the actual schmuttas that we put on our, no no offense to uh, the schmutta business, um, or the, <laughs> the world. And some of the, the clothes are incredibly uplifting. And as I, I said uh, earlier, or I, I think I told you this, I was just talking about this recently, the transformational uh, quality of clothing is quite sublime. I mean, it, it really can transport you, transform you. But that being said, I've met some of the most so-called well-dressed people in the world and uh, their sartorial panache wore pretty darn thin after a few minutes if they weren't nice people and if they weren't beautiful, open-minded, open-hearted people. Um, and I really believe that style has to do with the way we move through the world, not about the clothes we put on our backs. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's sartorial style. Yes, it's a very, you know, specific arena. And I work in that arena, too. And I have a lot of respect for that arena, too. But, 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 but there's something much uh, better to aspire to. And when you talk about people who have great style, I'm not talking about how they put their outfits together. Absolutely. You think Audrey Hepburn, when you use your style and your celebrity for a greater purpose in life to mm-hmm. serve others in some way, right? Which I know is very much a part of, of what you've done. Exactly. That's, that's really what elevated her to be more than just a, you know, a great style icon, but to become truly a legend. Exactly. What drives you so relentlessly to succeed, Jeannie Becker? You're always reimagining yourself. You've got this wonderful podcast. You've got the series Style Matters with Jeannie Becker on the new shopping channel, TSE. What drives you so relentlessly? Uh, Just passion. I don't know. Passion, obviously. If you're not passionate, you're not going to get out of bed in the morning. I think, you know, your passion is definitely uh, at the root of it all. Um, I don't know, but still maybe a little bit of ego. You know, I can't, I have to be honest. There's something to be said for that too. Not, not in terms of like what others are going to think of me. Those days are kind of pretty passe. I don't really care that much, but I care about what I think of myself and I expect certain things of myself. And I feel that I have been put or worked my way into a very privileged position. You know, I've I've worked long and hard for everything that I've had, but I find myself in this exquisite uh, chapter of my life right now where uh, I can really do, you know, whatever I really want to do. And I just want to make sure that I make the right choices. I also want to make sure that I've got time to to really smell the roses and, and appreciate the incredible relationship that I have now that we I know we haven't really talked about but I, I found love at the age of 62 I found true love so all of you out there do not you know, don't be afraid never give up oh my God. But, stars are aligned you know the right person comes into your life and it's wow and I never really had that kind of uh, not only time but desire to devote that much time to a relationship you know relationships were a little 
different in, in, in my book before. Like, yes, I always loved the company and I always wanted partners, but, but I never, ever felt this level of, of commitment uh, before. And I, I'm with an incredible guy and, and that's great too, but I don't also just don't want to be some, and, and like I do my knitting and I do my painting and I do all that other reason. <laughs> I even learned to bake challah during this pandemic. But I, well. I also think it's ultimately important for me to keep dancing as fast as I can because my career brought me so much joy over the years. And I know how much I love the work. I just love the work. It's not even, I, I shouldn't call it work. It's, I don't know what, what I think of it as, but it's just, uh, it's just who I am. And it's your passion. It's your passion. That brings me to my, my next question, which is what is bliss for Jeannie Becker? It depends on the time of day. I mean, uh, bliss could be, uh, you know, anything from a, a, a great martini to, like, you know, a, a, a great soak in, in the hot tub under the stars to, you know, just getting the right hug from, from the right person when it means the most. I mean, I, I can't really say what bliss comes in many shapes and forms. And, uh, you know, I, it really, for me, though, is, is about, um, I suppose, ultimately relationships and uh, friends and, and family and uh, the people that you love. I'm not a very good person on my own, I don't think. I don't like, I, it, which is, I, you know, I felt guilty about it, but oh, I should like being alone. I should love, you know, my mother <laughs> always raised me with this, don't be alone. It's not good to be alone. And, and my heart really just aches for a, a lot of people that I know that are, alone now more than ever because this pandemic has really forced people to be physically alone. And that's really sad. You know, I guess I'm a social creature and uh, yeah. I can't wait to get back some of that socializing. I know. Hugs and socializing. And, you know, Jeannie, I realized in reading your book, your last book, and in talking to you that you really kind of found your calling. It's interesting. I think that you really found your calling in the end. Would you agree with that? And what would you, and what would you say my calling is then? I think That's calling is to actually entertain and keep pivoting and reimagining and reinventing and being the star that you were meant to be. But you're doing it in a way that's bringing so much happiness and so much bliss to others and to yourself. Oh, well, thank you then. Okay. That's a big calling. though. <laughs> <laughs> before now but uh, no I just wanted to be a communicator you know I just wanted to communicate and I've been so uh, blessed uh, so fortunate that I get to do it on so many platforms you know we live in this wonderful multimedia world and I've tried to take advantage of every single one of them um so yeah that that's brought me a lot of joy over the years and uh, I still some times feel maybe naively so that uh, the best is yet to come but uh, uh, so far so good <laughs> the book is Jeannie Becker finding myself in fashion gorgeous gorgeous photo of Jeannie on the cover and of course Jeannie is on the shopping channel with Style Matters with Jeannie Becker she has her very own podcast Beyond Style Matters and She's doing lots more all the time. You are terrific, Jeannie Becker. How can people get in touch with you and follow you on social media? Well, I definitely say Instagram is a good way. And that's at, at the Jeannie Becker. And you have to know how to spell my name. 
T-H-E, the, and then J-E-A-N-N-E-B-E-K-E-R. So at the Jeannie Becker, um, there's my Facebook page, my professional Jeannie Becker Facebook page. I do have one that's just for friends and family, so I can't share my handle on that Facebook page. But um, Instagram is a pretty good way. You know, on Twitter, I'm um, uh, at Jeannie underscore Becker. And I also just should tell you that book, Finding Myself in Fashion, sadly, is out of print now. But you still can find copies, I think, on uh, on the internet. Uh, you know, there's lots of wild copies floating around if you Google it. But <laughs> Definitely time for another book. I hope you'll come back and tell us all about it when it's there or tell us about anything you're doing, a performance. I want to thank you, Jeannie Becker. It's truly been really, like, I have the shivers. It's been inspiring and delightful. Thank you so much. You're an absolute doll. Uh, Bless you for all that you're doing and uh, keep up the great work. And to give my love to Moses, if you see him in the hallways. I will. And he's (laughs) going to hear this, I'm sure. (laughs) Jeannie, it has truly been so wonderful having you on Finding Your Bliss. You are a beautiful gal inside and out. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to go on a short commercial break. And when we come back, we will be joined by the talented singer, Gigi. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Center. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. Before the break, we just finished part two of our exclusive interview with Canadian media icon Jeannie Becker. Jeannie, it was delightful to have you. Let me tell you now about my second guest, Genevieve Marantet, who is also known as Gigi. Genevieve has really established herself as one of Toronto's most recognizable and illustrious vocalists, known for being one of Canada's finest singers. As James B. puts it, she always had that type of voice and has that type of voice and stage presence that simply mesmerizes an audience. Genevieve has an extensive background in Brazilian, world, blues, jazz, and is known for her fearless approach to song interpretation. One of my favorite quotes about Genevieve is from David Clayton Thomas, and he says, Genevieve Marantette is a rare combination of musical education and God-given talent. I so agree with that. A powerful singer with a natural stage presence and stunning beauty. I've been privileged to sing duets with her on two of my albums and have shared the stage with her many times in concert. Gigi is the real deal. And that is David Clayton Thomas, not me. I, I, would, not be, I would not be singing with that. I, I know. Gigi's a, we were supposed to have a concert together this I weekend know. at oh. Regent theater yes in Brantford I think yes Facebook sent me a notification and I was like 
That's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. Not yet, but it will happen again. Anyway, everything I've just said is so true. We need, but, and I want to say this to our listeners, which is when you've seen Gigi live in concert, then you can really and truly understand her power as a performer, as she always has. And I think it was her mom who said this, the ability to hold the audience in the palm of her hand. And I witnessed that firsthand with my husband, Cliff. I've mentioned it on the show before at um, down at the Jazz Bistro. And what a show that was where people were. Anyway, we'll talk about it. But yeah, that was anyway. our, my last show. Oh, Lord. Before lockdown. I'm so glad you were there. It was unparalleled. I'll never, ever forget your version of Spinning Wheel. What you did with that version, the audience went crazy. They erupted into a standing ovation, thunderous applause. But it was more than that. It was just like it was a happening. And and that doesn't happen every night in the theater or on stage when you're performing, you know, in a club or, you know, in, in, a, in a, one of the jazz places in town. It's, you know, you have a wonderful concert. It's great. But it was a happening. I think people knew and, and, and writers that would have been there would, would write that down. And that will go into the history of, sure. of you know, just a, what happened that night. And Lenny Stout was there and he wrote about it. He's a wonderful writer and music critic. So he he was there and he wrote about it and he said very, very nice things. Well, guess what? We have a clip of your live performance from that night. And I'm so excited to give our listeners a little taste of it right now. This is Spinning Wheel and Gigi's rendition. Let's have a listen right now. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel got to go round. Talking about your troubles, it's a crying sin. Ride a painted pony, let the spinning wheel spin. You got no money, you got no home. Spinning wheel, all alone. Talking about your troubles, and you never learn. Ride a painted pony, let the spinning wheel turn. You find a directing sign on a straight and narrow highway. Would you mind a reflecting sign? Just let it shine inside your mind. I will show you all of the colors that are. Somebody's waiting just for you. Spinning wheel, spinning true. Stop all your troubles by the riverside. Catch a painted pony on a spinning wheel. That was so fantastic. And having the visual component makes it even more spectacular because this was a live performance. And so hopefully we'll be able to bring you this video one day on our social media at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. Were you aware that, oh my God, something very special is happening right here tonight? Honestly, I feel that way every time I'm, I have the privilege to be on stage these days. I've been doing this for a long time. 
uh, since I was five years old. And my mom is also a musician and, and performer. And, and so I think that at this point, kind of, I, I'm very fortunate to say that I've had so many moments like that, big or small occasions. Um, I used to live with James B. And uh, we lived around the corner from Jazz FM and we had a loft together. And we had, we, I wish that you had been able to come over, Judy, you and Cliff. Uh, we had all the jazz musicians in our community come over for salons. And uh, he continued to do that in his new home. But we were all evicted from that warehouse space. So we, James and I don't live together anymore, but we had these salons. And I used to feel that privilege that happening vibe every single time. Um, and those were 24 person intimate performances with half musicians and half friends. And there was no money involved. And that close proximity of being in the moment, not knowing what was going to happen, who was going to do what. Um, I mean, that's where jazz lives and thrives. And I, I'm so excited to one day do that again. I miss, I miss that feeling of being with with my fellow musicians those musicians that you had the chance to hear at the jazz bistro are incredible musicians and that's why i live in toronto so i can be near them we have the best of the best living in in toronto so yeah, it's been very good that night was George Collar. That night was Bill McBurney. Oh, it was something else. It was really, really something else. I want to also thank you, Gigi, because Jeannie Becker is your neighbor and your friend, and you were so kind to reach out to her. And you are a very big part of the reason that Jeannie and I got connected and that she's been on the show for the last Yay. two weeks. So thank you for that so much. Tell me about your relationship with Jeannie. Well, actually, I met Jeannie through James B., Back in the day when we lived together, she would come over to our salons. And I've also sung at her house for Christmas parties. And Jeannie is just always there. She's always supportive of our little jazz community here in Toronto. All music, all genres. You know, she is a music lover. She made a musician, her daughter. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, so Joey O'Neill, she's amazing. And she's, we've, we've hung out and, and sung together at our, at our house and stuff. And so, I mean, Jeannie is, has always been uh, not only fashion driven, but music driven. So she's just a good friend and supporter of everybody pretty much. And she's always been a good friend. She calls me once in a while these days to make sure I'm okay. Cause even though she has a house across the street, she's not really here. She's in nature, which I think is where I would be if I could be, you know, not in the city these days. Yes. So but I love Jeannie. She's so fabulous. And her daughter was on the show last week. Joey O'Neill sang us out and you're singing us out this week because I thought it's so cool. I had her daughter last week, you know, because that's so amazing. And then I thought, how nice would it be to have you this week? Because you're the person that connected us. So thank you so much for that. It's such a pleasure. And I know we're going to talk about these wonderful bespoke songs, these custom design songs that you are doing for people. We're going to talk about that a little more, but just in terms of singing and creating and writing. How are you doing it during these times? Because I know that singer-songwriters have ha have been hit the hardest in all of this. And I really, really feel for you guys. And that's why I try to have a singer on every single show because the, this is just wild what's been happening. How are yeah. you keeping it going? 
Well, I had to take a break because I, you are, you know, that I had a, an injury. And so that I, I fell and, and injured my collarbone and my elbow and had pretty, pretty uh, bad breaks. And, and so I'm just sort of getting back into the swing of the thing of the thing. Um, <laughs> in terms of, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of physio and I have rowing machine. And so I've just been trying to get my body back in gear um, and feel good. I've been doing a little bit of writing with some friends and collaborating, but now it's kind of time to um, refocus and get back to it. Uh, I had plans that dissolved because my plans usually involve being on the stage. And so I'm just going to recalibrate and reconfigure. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what's going to come next. Uh, I might go in into the studio and record some of those songs that you heard me do uh, uh, for the 1969 tribute. And I might do an original album. I don't really know. But it's great that you're thinking that way because we we love hearing from you and we can't wait to see you on show. What will it be like? You know, I ask everyone, what's the first thing that you want to do? And I don't even think I have to ask you that question other than hugs. Uh, I would say the first thing for you is probably to perform again. What will that be like? I want to be like completely free to just be with other people. And I think that's when I'm really going to feel excited again to be in close proximity and like look over at George and, you know, have the unspoken communication that we have as musicians and just feel the love and the relaxation and the disassociation and suspension of time that happens, you know, when we're all jamming together like that. That's, that's, I'm really excited, but I know it's going to be magical when we can get back to that. And it'll be magical for you. And it'll also be magical for the audience because the audience is also so hungry for this kind of experience, right? We're, 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 we're sick of zoom too. So we can't wait till that happens. So we'll be there. Some people are saying that we're going to be like in the roaring twenties again. And I don't know wow. if that's the case, right? I can't wait to see what it's like. If, if that's what really happens, if Absolutely. people go nuts fashion, like everything will just explode, right? Because it's like, you're finally out again. So you can just go and just be wild. It's true. The roaring twenties. I can actually see that so much. I I really hope that people will implement a bit of the con- like the environmental conservatism that we've tried to adapt and, and really honing sort of a more minimal lifestyle and, and really, you know, creating craft and beauty and be being creative and, and being mindful. And a lot of good has come out of the pandemic. I hope that we're able to carry that forward too. And we don't just go crazy and start, you know, going nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope exactly. <laughs> You know what I love about you, Gigi, is that you're not only an unbelievably talented artist, but you're so outward focused and you're such a huge champion of other artists as well. And in fact, when I invited you onto this program today, you said, oh, Judy, I have another artist for you, this young girl. I want to tell you about her. And I said, no, no, no. we'll talk about her another time. I want we really want to have you on the show. But you are so outward focused towards other artists. What are you saying to young artists and other artists um, out there in these times with regards to creating music and surviving, because it is such a challenging time. What advice are you offering? Because I know you're always trying to help other artists. 
Hmm. I mean, technology has changed so much that to be honest, it's the young artists like my friend Katie George that's giving me advice about it now, like how to do Spotify and how to do social media for, you know, for someone like her that, you know, had those that accessibility of Spotify and Instagram while she was at Humber College. Her name's Katie George, C-A-I-T-Y. She she is so savvy and managed to get a record deal and managed to get the right kind of record deal. And and I give her advice about um, some business stuff that I've learned from, from mentors in my life and making sure you don't get into the wrong publishing deal and that kind of thing. But mostly, I think um, the music industry is is a complete mystery at the moment. It's really turning over a brand new leaf. And there's a big opportunity to sort of shape it going forward. I think since we're all at home and we're all consuming um, digital products, um, whether it be podcasts or television or music, uh, we, we do see the value of it. And it is a now it's a good time to realize that musicians actually need to be remunerated to do it. We need to make money to make art. Uh, or else we can't really do it. So um, there is a lot of really progressive change happening in, um, in our community in terms of talking about that and what, what we need to do going forward in terms of the current streaming models like Spotify and really trying to find a sustainable way to keep the industry going because we, we are consuming uh, digital product more than ever. And there are more listeners and more people are listening to music more than ever before. So that's exciting. Right. What is the best way that we can support artists? Well, at the moment, I would say that because we're in this pandemic, if you know a musician or a live performer or a gig worker or even a waiter or, you know, an actor or someone who re- relies on that, you could be a patron of theirs. You could send them some money or you could, uh, if they have a patron account uh, on Patreon or one of these like sort of models where, you know, you could, you could give them a monthly st- stipend. Uh, I think a lot of people are doing that. You know, I, I'm very fortunate. I have benefactors. In fact, I am staying somewhere uh, with a classical music family at the moment so that I'm able to uh, continue. Um, you know, obviously, the the government assistance that we're, we're receiving isn't enough to maintain life in Toronto. Um, so it's I'm, I'm very lucky. Or if you also are able to donate to Unison Benevolent Fund, uh, Unison Benevolent Fund is a Canadian organization that's run by industry folk from Canada. And they give musicians uh, financial assistance during times of need. And they always have. They've been around for quite some years now. And they, you know, if, if, you're, if you're injured or immobilized and cannot perform, you know, musicians don't have social security. So we need an uh, organization like Unison Benevolent Fund when we break our arm if we're a drummer or, you know, something happens to prevent us from, from working. 
Sure, sure. You're also doing a great thing, Genevieve, and you've been doing this throughout the pandemic. And I really want to tell people how phenomenal this this is because you've done it for us. And that is that you've recently begun to include collaborations with other musicians and personalized videos to your bespoke song requests. And I want you to talk a little bit about these bespoke songs. Like what a great gift for Valentine's Day, for a birthday, for an anniversary, because what do you give people these days? It's, It's really difficult. But actually creating a song and a video for an occasion is beautiful. Tell us more. Well, immediately when the pandemic was, uh, when it made its debut, I was in Florida with my mom and we were talking about what I could do. And this is what uh, we we quickly thought of. And because I, I worked in hotels for a long time doing song requests, I thought, you know, I could do song requests for anyone. And so I've been producing my own song requests. And then my production style admittedly has been a little bit Detroit techno-ish because uh, <laughs> that, that is, is how I, I grew up in that scene. When I was uh, younger, I, I was part of the Detroit dance music community. So I sort of blend uh, more beat, beats because that's what I can do on my own. But now also, um, if you did want a traditional jazz song or something that was more organic and natural, I have so many musicians at my disposal because pretty much now everyone has set up their own studio so they can do what they need to do at home. I can create a bespoke collaboration with George Kohler for you or anyone really. So cool. And the song of your choice. And today you're going to be singing us a song called Lost Highway, which really had its um, roots in country music, like Hank Williams version. And, and many male artists covered that song. And I'm not, I'm not aware of any other female artists who've ever covered the song since you, which is so cool. So when, how do you think lending a female voice and perspective affects that song, Lost Highway, and its message? And can you give us a little bit about the inspiration behind it? Well, whenever we do that as women, it's very powerful because there's an empty space that's waiting to be filled, like like light that needs to be broadcast. And, you know, our influence and message artistically in all disciplines has been lacking to do a male song and to feminize it, if that is a thing, or just to, you know, to diversify music or art in every way feels very powerful, whether it's by gender or just anything at all, you know, it's, it feels like, Ooh, (laughs) Um, so it's, it's fun to do that. Awesome. I did that with um, touch me, babe from the doors that was something else. <laughs> <I'll bet. laughs> I think you were there. For that, I might have been. I might have been there. I might have been there. So there's a video that goes along with it that was really cool. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the video? Because it was so intriguing. The video that goes along with this particular song. Yeah. So actually, it's my boyfriend who song requested that for his sister Jess, uh, and she is a wonderful painter, um, and she has traveled, they've traveled a bunch together. So I chose that footage from my friend, Cheryl, who took it as she drove from our home all the way to um, somewhere, I think in in the, the very far reaches of British Columbia. 
Wow. And then all the way. <laughs> so, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So it's, t- it's time-lapse footage that my friend took and uh, dedicated to two siblings that have traveled the world together. That's so awesome. We're going to go on a short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to hear Genevieve singing Lost Highway. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. We're here with Gigi Genevieve Marantet, who's about to sing. Yeah. Let's have a listen to Genevieve's version of Lost Highway. I'm a rolling stone All alone in life For a life of sin Boys don't start 
beautiful love that and I love that you've made it new and you've totally changed it up from anything that that it's ever been and it's really really great and it really I know you just imagine being on that highway and and yet I feel when I listen to that song that the light is at the end of the tunnel that you get to the end and you go it's coming we're seeing it the end of the pandemic is coming it's and it really is and it's so inspiring what is bliss right now for Genevieve Oh, um, I am really enjoying, um, Lori Brown's Pondercast. Yeah, I highly recommend Pondercast. Um, Lori Brown, she does all kinds of things, um, talks about things and also meditation. And actually I have used her meditation while rowing on the rowing machine, which is very strange, but I'm really enjoying that. (laughs) That's so cool. What a dichotomy. You're rowing, but you're meditating. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, because it's the same motion and I need I need to um, move this arm as much as possible and shoulder. So it's just like a really gentle. That's been really wonderful, actually. <laughs> what, what has this year sort of taught you about bliss and about stuff that's just good, even in the middle of all of this? Gratitude is so easy. It's so easy because there are lots of folks who are going through much harder things and it's, it's all perspective. I have a roof over my head. I have endless light ahead. There will be an end to this. There will be. And there's been a lot of opportunity to lend support and be supported um, in this situation which is the beautiful thing. Absolutely. How can people connect with you, Gigi, to have you create a song for them for a special occasion and just follow you on social media? My website is flowerchildgenevieve.com or Genevieve Marantet, but I think that's harder to spell because of all the T-E-T-T-E at the end. (laughs) Uh, Flowerchildgenevieve.com and uh, flowerchildgenevieve on Instagram. That's a good one. And is that the best way to connect with you to get a bespoke song for Valentine's Day, which is coming up, and for so many other great events, birthdays, anniversaries? It's it's the coolest. Sure. And also, actually, um, in in March, uh, my uh, my favorite charity foundation, Peace Builders Canada, which does restorative justice for youth um, at high risk. Uh, they are doing their annual Spring for Peace, and I will be part of the auction there donating one of my songs as well. I did last year, and I'm going to do that again this year. If you go to peacebuilders.ca uh, and sign up for their newsletter, then you'll find out later. Restorative justice is amazing. 
It's so good. I love that you are always involved in giving back. You're amazing. Even in tough times, you're always being the giver and you're, you're incredible. I want to thank you so much for being on Finding Your Bliss again today, Gigi. It's really been lovely having you. Love you, Judy. And thanks for all that you do and all your wonderful, wonderful, happy, positive vibes that you bring to us all the time. You're the best. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or a musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and on Facebook. I would like to thank all of my guests, Jeannie Becker, for both part one and part two of this wonderful interview, and Genevieve Marantet Gigi for being here today. Also, a big thank you to our supervising producer, Mag Ruffman, production manager, Siobhan Kylie, PA researcher and editor, Haley Allegia, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and to everyone here at Zoomer, and of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. And this show has been recorded by Squadcast. We're going to close out the show with a short quote from Jeannie Becker's amazing book, Finding Myself in Fashion. And it really describes what happens when you do find your bliss. And here it is. But when it does work, when it all comes together, and we have one foot poised to take another step on life's perilous tightrope, it's the most magnificent feeling on earth. For everyone here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.